you can pray with me. God, I just pray that in this season, um, for those that, that are needing that North Star pointing home, I pray that you would allow us um, to, to be that in Christ for them, God. And for those of us that continue to need your guiding, as we all do, I pray that we would experience moments where um, we recognize that your voice is present, that you are, that you're moving, that you're leading us, God. I pray that we would um, be thankful and reminded that you are a faithful guide, that you are a good shepherd, Lord. So Lord, we just take today, God, to just to ask you to continue to point us home. And so God, I just pray as Paul prayed that there would be a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know you, the hope to our calling and the riches you have for us, God. Pray that you would open our ears, God, and that you would bless the speaking of word. Just pray for your grace in our time. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. I'm going to be alive this morning. I am a love Advent, and um, I even like the candle lighting. It's good. Um, this The first week of Advent, we light a candle of the first week of Advent, we light the candle of hope, and as we come to week two in Advent, we light this candle of peace. And this last week, we kicked off with the with the theme of hope and the story of Israel set in exile. And so, if you understand Israel's story, since the time of Abraham, God had been promising His people that He would bring them into a permanent work that would sustain them and guide them. But they had many ups and downs, as we know about Israel's story. And, but along the way, there continued to be this prophetic movement and this prophetic message that He would bring a Messiah that would, that would uh, redeem and bring peace to the whole world and to His people. And that this Messiah would arrive. And arrival is exactly what Advent means. And this week, um, if you didn't notice reading in all the, the text, there's a lot of text about um, John the Baptist, which is common for week two uh, of Advent. And I want to read the text before I just start sharing. In Luke 3, 1-6, it says, In the fifteenth year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was governor of Galilee, ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, ruler of Abilene. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain shall be made low, and every crooked path shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. 
all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Um, so there were multiple passages that were highlighting the ministry of John the Baptist and his prophetic ministry and what it meant. And I, um, I want to just give some attributes of his ministry uh, that were talked about both in the Old Testament text and in and this text and in uh, his own father's prophetic word about him. It's, it, he preached a message of repentance, of forgiveness of sins. He was a voice crying in the wilderness. That was like commonly said about him. He would make paths straight, mountains filled, valleys low, paths smooth. His father said that there would be those he would give light to who were in darkness. And a guide to people to a path of peace. Malachi said that he is a refiner's fire, a purifier of gold and so- silver, and fuller soap, whatever that means. Um, but I, I want to point out a critical thing that's important for us to understand in John's ministry and in God's working in general. John's message was a message for a moment that prepared for another moment. And really critically, what, what John did was that he prepared people's hearts and minds to be able to receive Jesus. And Matthew 5.8, I think it actually gets right at what John did. It says, The blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I think that John, God used John the Baptist as one to remind people of what it means to be pure in heart, to remind people of our call, of their call to repent from sins and, and to ask God to make them pure. And so I don't think it's, it's accidental that the, the person that God sent right before Jesus was one who was kind of to clear the debris so that people could see God. Now, I think it's important to understand that there was a very marked difference between John's ministry and John's message and Jesus' ministry and Jesus' message. Jesus definitely continued talking about repentance and being pure and many of the things that John preached about, but he did not emphasize them to the same degree that that John did. It's interesting to me that Jesus didn't really like baptize people, for example, in his ministry. Although at the end of his life, he tells us, go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Like, John baptized people, the disciples baptized people, but Jesus didn't really do that. That's just fascinating to me. And there, there are things that Jesus emphasizes. That It's not that as if he abandons repentance of sins. In fact, he says, repent for the kingdom of his head. It's not as if he abandons baptism. Because he says he gives his disciples the command to go baptize people, but he he emphasizes different things in his ministry than than John did. And this this brings me to the first point. And I'm I'm doing old school sermon. I've got three points, and they are they are all they all start with the same letter P. So just bringing it home. Liter- yes, power. Um, but the first point that I want to explore in this story is, is the point of presence. And when I talk about presence today, like, I don't, like, what I mean exactly is where is God work, where is God at work 
in the present moment. And what is he doing in the present moment? Like, I think that there's various ways that we can understand or relate to the truth of God's presence. And, but I want everybody to say this word with me. Say this word, dynamic. Um, I think that we underestimate the dynamic nature of God's work. Uh, like, roughly speaking, dynamic means progressing, changing, moving, evolving. Now, I want to say that God is unchanging. He, he, he doesn't have a changing nature. But the way that His work interacts with our lives and interacts with the story of humanity is very dynamic. And I think we underestimate the dynamic nature of God's work in our lives. So, we get all these scriptures that point to John the Baptist's moment, what God was doing in his ministry is that John's baptizing people repented and Jesus, Jesus did none of these things, as I was mentioning. But, but why? And it's important for us to understand that, that, um, that there are principles about who God is, but God is also inviting us into following in His presence in a way that is dynamically emphasizing and working on different things in different seasons. Like, He is not always focused on the exact same thing in our lives. Let me give you this. Um, so I've been, as I've mentioned many times, I've been doing knee rehab uh, for my ACL being torn and reconstructed. And Susanna actually asked me this morning in prayer, she said, well, how long, much do you think about your knee? And I was like, actually, I don't think about it hardly at all at this point. Like, I remember right after surgery, like, I remember, like, we were going away from the gym because I was, I was trying to, you know, still keep working out my upper body. And we were leaving the gym, and Andrew was with me. And we were coming to the car, and there was a curb. And I was like, I was navigating, how am I going to step over this curb? Like, in my mind, I'm like, never have my, my consciousness been, how am I going to get over this curb so that I can get to my car? But that was in my mind. And so the, when I came to my current therapist, um, I was thinking that I was going to be ready to run sooner than he thought. And so I was like, okay, I'm getting ready to run. He was like, no, don't want you running. Looked at my knees like, I don't want you running at all. I was like, okay. So a couple weeks go by, we're working out. He goes, go out and run now. I was like, okay. And... And one of the reasons that at some point in your rehab you start to run is that running actually opens up the joint to be able to move in ways that if that not running, like if you don't end up running, you will not get the same kind of mobility as if you do run. But if you run too soon, you'll bring damage to the joint. And so it's just like this jarring moment where I get to the end of the workout. He's like, go finish with a five-minute run. I was like, two weeks ago, I wasn't allowed to run, but now you're just... And the interesting thing about it is that there are things in one season, there are wisdom that God is teaching us in one season that if you try to apply them in the same way the next season, they would, they would be not only not useful, but they would be directly opposite of what would help you. Like, not only was I now able to run, if I don't run, I'm not going to recover. But three weeks ago, it's don't run. And I think we underestimate 
the dynamicness of God working in our life. Like we, we, we start to learn something. Like let's say that it's God is teaching you about prayer or He's teaching you whatever it is. We start to learn something and we think that's the thing He's going to be focused on for the rest of our lives. And one of the biggest things that keeps us from continuing to grow and, and transform in our life is getting stuck on the, thing, on the one thing that we have fixated on that He's been showing us. But God's work in our life, while God is unchanging, the work, His work in our life is dynamic. And we see that in the Advent story because John the Baptist comes and gives a message that was for a season, for a moment, for a time that needed to change as Jesus came in and ministered. The, the overwhelming prophetic message around Jesus as Messiah was bringing peace. One of the most predominantly prophesied things about Messiah is the peace that he would bring about. And with John, it was sort of him upending everything to make past straight. One season led to another, but they're very different. So, as I promised, give you alliteration. First P is presence. The second P is preparation. And, and they, they tie right in. So, so God's present work in the life of John prepare, prepared by His presence to be... Excuse me, I just lost my own sentence here. Okay. God was... The, where He was at work in the life of John was to prepare for the life of Jesus. So where His presence was at work was you're not going to be the one who's going to give the final fulfilling message. My presence is working you in a way of preparation. And so the, the thing we see, we've sung it, we prayed it, we read it this morning, but we see that John the Baptist emphasized a ministry of preparation. And so I want to, um, I, I want to look back at one of the texts here that's really important. Right at the beginning of Luke 3, 1 through 3, it says this In the 15th year, the reign of temper, you know, of T Emperor Tiberius, Jordan, you pronounced all those so good, and now I can't get them. When Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod was governor, ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So, I want to focus on this for a minute. The mention of the political and spiritual powers of the time is not an arbitrary mention. This isn't just like, okay, I'm placing you in the time. It, it's that God, like, think about this. The, the temple and the high priest, like God is the one who initiated this system. Like God is the one who had David you know, have the idea and Solomon come and build the temple and he's the one who anointed the, the house of Levi and he brought in this system. And so when John the Baptist begins preaching a message that is contrary, he has to go out into the wilderness, which is symbolic of, not it's, it's literal, but also symbolic of he's not preaching within the system. He leaves the system, goes out into the wilderness, begins to preach, and he puts this message, the message in the gospel for us, is put against the, leader, the other leadership of the day. And so think about this. 
when he says, when he says John the Baptist is preaching out, he's saying, here's the spiritual leaders of the time, and this is a different message. It's coming from a different place. Sometimes in order for God to bring peace into the world or into our lives, He has to bring an entire upheaval of what exists. He actually has to send somebody out into the wilderness to preach outside of the system, outside of the structure, outside of the things that He put together. Like, it's fascinating to me that this isn't, this isn't a structure that arbitrarily came out. It's a structure, a religious structure, that God had Israel put in place. And John the Baptist goes out in the wilderness to preach. Sometimes, in order to bring peace, we have to bring an upheaval. Well, one of the ways that people get off track is when God teaches us something for a season, or He gives us a... a way of encountering Him, or a way of praying, whatever it is. He gives us something for a season, and we think that we're supposed to camp there forever. But in reality, He is preparing us for a new chapter. Like, I want to make this point. We know, I know there are absolutes in the kingdom of God. Like, Jesus is the Son of God. He died. He raised a, he died a physical death. He raised a physical resurrection. He's coming back home. Like, the Holy Spirit was sent to lead us and to guide us. And so, like, there are absolutes in the kingdom. But, 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 but think about this. So much of what God is trying to do with His wisdom is dynamic. And it's applicable only in certain seasons and in certain moments. And so listening to what God is speaking about, what He's preparing us for, is essential. You can't get stuck on the precious wisdom that you think you've learned. You have to trust God and move forward. We cannot just glean off what God has spoken to us. We have to live off what He is saying to us. The the interesting thing about the dynamic nature of God is that it constantly forces us to be absolutely connected to His leadership to continue to go forward. Like, we cannot just merely depend on a set of principles that we've gleaned over our life. We have to enter into relationship with God and hear His Word and live off His Word so that we can live with Him. So God gave Israel a messenger who would be in the wilderness, outside of the religious structure, calling people to a repentance that would prepare them to be able to receive the seed of God's Word. And I have to imagine, if you can imagine this with me, like I have to imagine that there were people who would eventually become Jesus' followers who heard John's message and that the clearing of their heart actually allowed them to see Jesus. That his message of repentance made it possible so that their heart was softened, that their heart could be captured by Jesus. So let's just be reminded that God is always preparing us for his continuing work. All right, last point. We have presence, preparation. The last point is peace. Um, I want to read the very last very last verse of Luke 1. And what Luke 1 is, we read it during the time, but Luke 1 
is John's father spontaneously prophesying about his life and ministry and what he will do. And so he says all the things that are common of all the prophetic words about John. But at the very end, he says this. He says, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to, to guide our feet onto the path of peace. And so like right at the very end of this prophetic, this really long prophetic word about what John's ministry would be, we get this mention of peace. Like John's life, there's nothing about John's life that represents peace. Like he eats locusts and honey. He lives in the wilderness. Like nothing, everything about him is transient. Like he's outside of the religious structure. He's frustrating people. He's baptizing. There's there's nothing about his life that indicates peace. But at the very end of this word, what God does is that he ties the, the ending of a season to the continuation of the next season. All right, you're going to have to humor me for a second. I'm going, to talk, I'm going to talk to you about technology for one moment. So just forgive me for the analogy. But how many of you are familiar with Bitcoin? All right, so the, so the way... How many of you have any idea how Bitcoin works? Like, m- nobody does. But the way that... The way Yes, you just make it money. The way that Bitcoin works is it works on what's called a blockchain. How many of you have heard the, the word blockchain before? And a blockchain is a, a data. It's essentially, imagine blocks of data. And these blocks store transactions or contracts or agreements with people. And there are sequential blocks that are built in this blockchain technology. And if this is the key that makes blockchain really unique, is it's why it's called the chain part. At the end of every block of data, you have a code that mirrors the first code of the next block. And so the, the, the next block, if you imagine that there's blocks of data being built upon each other, the first writing code of, if, if, if we have moved from block one to block two, the first code of block two is the last line of block one. And what happens with this is it creates a sequence of connections that, does, that makes it so that you can't tamper with this thing because if you tampered with it, you would have to change the entire system. And so that's, that's the way it secures data. That's the way it works. And this is the way that God works. Like when we look at Jacob, when you look at the story of Jacob, I've been reading in Genesis, Abraham gets promised that he's going to go to this land, God's going to you know, give him this land, and he's going to build his people there on this land. And he goes in this really long journey, finds this promised land of Canaan, and then his son and their, peop- you know, their people grow up there. And then at the very end of Jacob's life, how many of you remember Jacob's fa- most famous Son, Joseph, thank you. At the very end of Jacob's life, he's going to go to Egypt and visit his son, Joseph. And he doesn't know if he's going to do this. Right before he goes, he's contemplating, God, what is it that you want me to do? And he, you have to think, like everything that he knows, his father and his grandfather, was that he came to this land to inherit this particular place. 
And what God comes to him, he comes to him and speaks to him and he says, Jacob, he said, I am your God. This is the famous part that we get. And I am the God of your grandfather, Abraham, and of your father, Isaac, and I'm your God too. And here's what I am going to do. I want you to go up to Egypt. Your people are going to go strong, grow strong there. And one day they will be delivered by somebody and brought back to this land. It's good for you to go. And so you have to think from Jacob's perspective, he's living in the land that God promised to his grandfather that was, that was like the preeminent promise over his life. And he's struggling through this decision. And at the very end, God ties this season into the next season. And see, all of the, when we look at all of the genealogies, the purpose of these genealogies is to tie the thread from what God did and what He did and what He did and what He's doing and what He is going to do. Because God is always in, in life, in the Scripture. We could look countless scriptural events. What God does is He ties through His chain. He ties the seasons and the chapters all together because they're building upon each other. And in your life too, the seasons are tied together. So Jesus is here to usher in the season of peace. And the last word over, the, over his predecessor is that he will, he will guide you to a path of peace. How many of you are with me? What kind of peace does the Advent does the, you know, the story of Advent does Jesus bring though? You see, Jesus' peace would crack the religious norms and think in 70 years, like the temple is destroyed, like J Jews were spread out all over the world. Like Jesus' peace, it cracked everything that was happening. It's, it's not this instant overarching peace, but it's the kind of fundamental blossoming peace that happens from like a seed growing up into an oak tree. Je Jesus' kind of peace is one that must, must disrupt everything it intends to repair. And I think the same thing is true in our lives. A lot of times when we're asking God, like, God, I just want to have some peace. What we're really asking God for is like temporary alleviation. <laughs> we're asking Him to remove the chaos of the moment so that we can just find our way in the, in like, in the present. But the reality is, is God wants to bring a fundamental permanent peace into the lives of His people, into the earth. And in order for that to happen, He must upend everything that lives in us that's not of Him. And so when we talk about the arrival of God as a Messiah to the people of Israel, to the people who are following Him, He will disrupt everything He will repair. And in your life, He will disrupt anything he, everything He tends to repair. He is not a God of band-aids. My kids love band-aids. I don't get it. I'm like, you got the it's like I need a band-aid, Dad. I'm like, I can't even like see the blood. Like I need a microscope to find the, the prick that you got. I'm so thankful he's not a god. I do not like band-aids. 
But God is not a God of band-aids. He, he will temporarily protect you and cover you to, to recover. But His aim and His focus is to fundamentally transform everything about what He's doing in your life. And so if you get into this mindset that what He did do or what He did show you is what He's going to be continually to do, continuing to show you, you're going to get stuck. Because the one thing that we are promised in addition to His presence in following Him is that we will have to change. Amen? The same is true for Israel, is true for us. When God wants to bring peace into our lives, He will use the process of His presence, His preparation, and sometimes the peace looks more disruptive initially than settling. And you can miss peace. You can miss peace in your life by misappropriately trying to apply it. You can look for the absence of pressure instead of the presence of peace. And spend a lifetime trying to misappropriating, misappropriately applying what you think to be true of God. Sometimes the, the uh, disruptions and the storms are, are sent by God, not, not by the devil. I'm not saying God sends us bad things. Let me, let me understand, like, I don't have time to go down this line of thinking. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying God sends cancer on people or anything like that. But I am saying that God will disrupt you to rebuild you. God wants a permanent peace, not fundamental peace, not a temporal fleeting one. So I kind of want to finish with this. Our reading today from Philippians mirrors the story of Advent into our own lives with really famous words of Scripture. It says, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. So, I, I want you to think about it like this. Every one of us are being prepared for a day that we will see Jesus with unveiled face. We are being prepared for that day. We aren't, we aren't merely being prepared for our best day tomorrow. We are being prepared as a bride for a bridegroom who will see us with unveiled face. Now, the question is, do you want, like, do you want the process of God that creates some sort of temp temporary alleviation of pain? Do you want the process of God that creates some sort of temporary sense of fulfillment and blessing? Or, or whatever it is. Or do you want the process of God that prepares you for the ultimate chapter and season that we're to step into as Jesus returns. So I want to have a stand, and I want to pray for us. I want to ask you to pray with me. The, the big thing I was praying about, what, what, do, what am I hoping that God would impart this morning? Um, and the big thing that I'm praying that God would impart is, is that He would impart in our minds and our hearts a fluidity to encounter His newness every day. That we, can, that we don't get stuck on things that we thought He was doing, that we continue to move with His presence. 
The other thing that can happen is that you can learn a set of principles about God and try to replace them with a new set of principles. That also isn't helpful. The, the only thing that is helpful is continually, continuing to anchor into His presence because he is, he is unchanging, but His work is dynamic. And so, I don't know. It, this is the way I want to say it. It's like, I feel like that there's things that people need. There are, there are thinkings. There are in, there's like ways that we're stuck that we, that we need to let go of. And what I'm feeling is that as we close our eyes and we pray, that God is going to highlight things that we need to let go of. Maybe even things that He's shown us. Maybe even things that He's worked. But it's not what He's doing right now. And so... Let's just close our eyes and let's just ask the Holy Spirit. We're going to stand in silence for a moment. And let's just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. To show us things that we need to shed. God, I pray that you would give us fluidity and flexibility as we trust you. God, that we would not look just to, we would look to anchor ourselves to the timeless truth of your gospel, but that we would also look to anchor ourselves to, the, to your presence as you're highlighting and moving and working in dynamic ways in our lives. I ask you, Lord, just to soften our hearts as you, as you uh, used John to do with, with Israel. I pray that you would soften our hearts that we may be captured by the message of Jesus. And we pray that you would um, just use this time to lean us into your grace. Amen. You can come to the table. I think one of the reasons that Jesus um, gave us the supper to enter into, there's many reasons, but Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, he talks about how that we are to continually do this that would remind us of his death and to proclaim his death until he comes. And, and so I think one of the reasons that we do this is that we recognize that the meal of God was 
once and for all prepared on Calvary. But it's continually somehow still prepared for us every time we come to Him. And God has spoken His word of love over all of creation, but He continues to speak His words of love in every moment. And so let us be remembering today that His meal is both timeless and permanent, but new every morning. Lord, we thank You for Your bread. We thank You for this juice. We thank You for Your body. Um, We lift these things and we do declare and remember Your death and resurrection. And we intend to do it until the day that You come or the day that we go to be with You. I pray that You would... um, Deepen our hearts' awareness of the newness you bring in our lives. The meal you prepare for us daily. And make us flexible to receive you every day. Amen. Real quick, I want to make this announcement. We made this last week, but we, we, I feel like we made the announcement last week to a whole different group of people. So I'm going to make it again this week. We, we are doing these uh, from week one. We do these things called Baskets of Hope. And um, what we, we've done this for a couple of years, and there have been really cool testimonies that come out of this. What we do is we ask you to fill this with something with something that would be a blessing or an encouragement to a neighbor and go give it to them. Simple as that. The focus on this year's Advent is Advent through the eyes of a stranger because Jesus had to continually be put into strange lands as he grew up. And so we just want to encourage you to look for a neighbor. They might not be a total stranger, but they, but they might be. And so you can give this to them. The, the prompt for week two and sometimes we've had this lead to the week two prompt, but the prompt for week two is to invite a neighbor over for a meal and just get to know them. And so kind of we've been emphasizing these tables with strangers. This is like a little bit of way for you to do it in your own neighborhood with just your family. And so I want to encourage you, if you didn't get one of these baskets last week, do we have more? We do have more. We'll set them out up here. And this week is our encouragement, which we have not done our basket yet. We will do both this week. Um, is in, and give this and also invite somebody to our table. And so I want to encourage you with that. We're trying to emphasize that. Um, but Zane also has an announcement. And then we can close out. I do. Speaking of Jesus being in foreign lands, <laughs> refugee ministry. Um i got to pull up my list here really quick. Um, so we are getting pretty close to having everything that we need um, to start the refugee ministry. In fact, I already, t- I already told him, hey, send us a, send us a family. Because we have all the, we pretty much have all the required items. Um, we're kind of on the s- stuff that's a little bit extra. But um, 
it's still really needed. Like, like the required items are only what's technically required by the state, but it w is not enough, honestly, to like fully, uh, fully fulfill a family's needs. Okay, so um, there are a few things I, that I know. Last time I looked, that w were still probably the most important things that we are missing. They are. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, and if you want to yell at me right now and say I have one of those, then you can, or come talk to me after after church. Um, we still need a queen bed frame, a queen box spring, queen and twin sheets and comforters, a sofa, uh, a dining table and chairs. Um, I actually have one of those that I can donate if we don't get something better, but I thought someone might have something better than what I have. So, um, kids booster seat or car seats. Um, that's a big thing cause they have to have them. So, um, and um, especially any, like, cookware or dinnerware. Um, so we're going to have to, we're, you know, furnishing or filling a whole kitchen. So if you have anything along those lines, that'd be cool. If anyone happens to have an extra rice cooker, then um, that's a big thing for a lot of the people who are coming in from other nations. They can cook a bunch of rice really easily and cheaply, and they're used to it. So um, if you don't have any of these things, that's totally cool. But if you would like to donate some money to help us buy the remaining items, then that would also be helpful. So for today, any donations, um, this goes for you people on, on Zoom too. Any donations today that go to clearpathdallas.com and give and uh, check it or mark it as benevolence to the benevolence account, then we'll take that money and we're going to use it to buy whatever is left over um, that our family still needs. So we'll take all the donations we can get, and uh, hopefully before long, we'll have a cool new family around. So anyway, help us if you can. Cool. All right. I have a couple, a few dates. Actually, we have a lot of things going on over the holidays, so I'm just going to keep giving these to you every week. Um, Jordan told us all about the prompts, so that checks off one of these. And um, we have this Sunday, this coming Sunday, which is the third Sunday of Advent, is our kids program. So everybody, please come. Be here. Support them. It's such a sweet, a sweet time. And they've been preparing for weeks and months. And it's going to be really awesome. It's titled God's Promises. So we want to be here to support them. So please mark your calendars. Invite your parents, all the grandparents. Everybody can be here. So go ahead and make sure that they've got a nice um, audience for that. Speaking of kids program, they're also practicing today after service until three o'clock, but they're going to come in here immediately. So we totally encourage everybody to hang around and have conversations and do all that, but either move outside to the foyer or outdoors. Um, so y'all can, y'all can keep those conversations. Um, and then on Friday or Saturday, December 18th is our Christmas party. It's our annual Christmas party and chili cook-off. And we also have a costume party at the same time. It's really awesome. The theme this year is Santa's workshop. There will be prizes involved for best chili, for best dressed. 
if you would like to make a chili, I sent out a sign up yesterday to all of the ladies and I told them that they could volunteer their husbands as well if they wanted to. But if you would like to bring a chili, please sign up for that so that we have enough chili to actually do a chili cook-off. That would be great. And um, then on Wednesday, December 22nd, it's our candlelight service, which will be on our front lawn. So we are going to do that at 630. It's going to be nice and dark. We'll have some lights and hot chocolate and cookies and um, just take about an hour to have a service um, where we celebrate Christmas. So those are kind of the big dates that are coming up. And additionally, we've got our Abide Journal, which is coming out next year. And we should have all of those in-house on the final Sunday of Advent, which is December 19th. And um, so if you guys would like to pre-order any of those, they make really awesome gifts. They're very beautiful, kind of like the alabaster journals um, or the alabaster Bible set. They're, re- they're going to be really beautiful. We're super excited about those. So we would love to have as much involvement and participation in, in those. So we love you guys. Jeremy's going to come pray us out. We're going to do the prayer of St. Francis, maybe. Is this right? Is it? Okay, never mind. Oh, okay. You tricked me, Zane. <laughs> you did. You did. <laughs> All right. Uh, out of the embrace of mercy and righteousness, you have brought forth joy and dignity for your people, O Holy One of Israel. Remember now your ancient promise. Make straight the paths that lead to you, and smooth the rough ways that in our day we might bring forth your compassion for all humanity. Amen.